Hello, Vitality Explorers. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. My name is Alan Mishra, and this is the 50th, 50th episode of the podcast. I'm so excited. I've been doing this almost every week for more than a year now, and I want to thank everyone that is listening. The purpose of this podcast is specific. It is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. And it's crazy that it is now heard in over 56 countries, including places as far away as Norway, Morocco, and Nepal. So shout out to those people in Nepal that are listening. Hello. All right. So our goal here is not only to enhance global vitality, but it's also to take the friction out of staying vital and help you make deposits in what I call your vitality bank account. Now, last week we did something uh, related to getting your to-done list. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we always like to start the podcast with a quote. And this one is from John F. Kennedy, quote, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. Efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. That's a good one from John F. Kennedy. This week we will be focusing on, as we typically do, three specific topics. And one of those is seven steps to finding your purpose. The second is the low carb versus low fat diet battle. And then the final one uh, is targeted temperature management. Okay. And that's in the context of what happened to the Buffalo Bills football player, Damar Hamlin. I want to read a quote that I think is ties a little bit of last week's and this week's podcast together. And I'd encourage you to listen to last week's podcast because we're going to start this year by having a progression. Uh, and last week was a little bit about time management in the context of your to-done list. This week is, uh, is a little bit about purpose. But this one, this quote, and it's a little longer quote, is from Viktor Frankl, and he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which has sold over 10 million copies. I encourage you to, to read that. And here is his quote. Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success like happiness cannot be pursued, it must be ensued, and it does only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself, or as the byproduct of one's surrendering to the person other than oneself. Happiness must happen, and the, the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it. I want you to listen to what your conscious commands you to do and go on to carry out the, to the best of your knowledge. Then live, then you will live to see in the long run. In the long run, I say, success will follow you precisely because you've forgotten to think about it. So that's from Viktor Frankl. Think about that. I do think that happiness and success are the byproduct, in my parlance, of pursuing vitality. And that is you know, taking ownership over how you can enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. And we talked a little bit about this last week in the context of getting your to-do list and converting it to a to-done list. And I, I recommended people stop dabbling and really, you know, focus on that. So I hope people are working on that again. I encourage you to listen to last week's podcast to learn more about that. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the Vitality Explorer News Podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your uh, podcast. And you can also join Vitality Explorers by simply visiting vitalityexplorers.com or subscribing to the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. So let's jump into 
seven steps to finding your peak purpose. All right. Now, your peak purpose is is really a difficult thing to do. But finding our purpose is something we should we should think about because it's I believe it's the foundation of our vitality. All right. Finding our purpose is a complex and personal journey that takes our time. It takes reflection. And I think it also takes experimentation. But it's a modifiable vitality asset. And, you know, part of what is embedded in, in previous podcasts and many posts is, is why it is so valuable. And there's it's it's literally associated with a less risk of chronic disease and a less risk of dying. So the, the more precisely or the more concretely you know your purpose, you you're, you're literally have a less risk of dying. And this is something that was a published peer-reviewed paper. Um, and what it looked at is five-year sur- survival rate against how well you know your purpose. So again, this is not easy, but we're going to try to give you some steps to get started because it is so, so important, literally to your to your vitality. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I think we need to expect this to be challenging and to embrace that challenge. Vital people will in- embrace the challenge to finding their purpose. And here are seven steps to help us on our quest to find that purpose. And the first, first is to reflect on your values and passions. Just think about what you believe in and what you are passionate about. What do you really love? What are the causes or issues you care about? What activities give you a sense of fulfillment or joy? So that first one is reflect on your values and passions. And I would encourage you to use this as a journal prompt or I'm really taking a deep dive in 2023 into 3x5 cards, okay, and a pen. And I try to, when I take notes, put them on a 3x5 card with a pen and that that helps me really encode the information a little bit better. And then sometimes I'll, I'll translate that, or trans, excuse me, transcribe that back into something I'm writing later. Um, but whatever you're doing, reflect on your values and passions as a first step to finding your peak purpose. The second, which is tightly connected to that, is to explore your strengths and skills. Maybe even take that three by five card and think about what you are naturally good at or what you have trained yourself to do you know, just reflect on what people tell you you do well or have done well. What are your talents and abilities? And then in that same same context, think about how you can make a positive impact on the world or even just one other person, whatever that skill is, whatever that talent is. So number one, reflect on your values and passions. Number two, explore your strengths and skills. And here's the third one. This is This is where it starts to get harder. Get out of your comfort zone. And that is to try new challenges and try new things. You may discover a new passion or talent that you knew you never had. I've been writing now for five, five and a half years every single day. I still am only okay at it, but I'm getting a lot better. And I found that I have a passion for writing that I never thought I did. So I had to get way out of my comfort zone to get on that. So that's number three. And number four, I think it's tied to number three. And that is to seek guidance and membership excuse me, membership, <laughs> mentorship, excuse me, seek guidance and mentorship. So we think of a mentor as just somebody maybe when you're young who helped you get through school or your initial part of your job, but there's an emerging group of people who are life coaches. There are friends who will do this for you, maybe family members or coworkers, but talk to people you respect and admire and ask them how they found their own journey or purpose. And then you can learn, you can learn from their experiences and wisdom. So I've been doing that vigorously in the last month. And I've been just reaching out to people and asking for their guidance and membership. Uh, I did it again. 
<laughs> Maybe I want to join something. I'm not sure. Mentorship. Uh, and I think it's been really, really valuable uh, to be a little bit vulnerable about that and say, hey, this is I'm not sure exactly what I should do with this. Can you help me figure it out? And uh, it's been awesome. So that's that's number four. Number five is you got to kind of get this feedback loop going. So you've experimented. You've thought about what your strengths are. You've, you've gotten out of your comfort zone. You've sought a little guidance. Uh, now it's time to review and revise, right? So it's like going back to your term paper in high school or college and you've written a rough draft. Um, you know, after you've tried a few things, test out that hypo- hypothesis that this is something you're interested in. Uh, expect to make some mistakes, by the way. Expect it to be difficult and expect you will not likely find your purpose the first time. It's going to take time and experiment. And then if you review and revise what you've written or thought about, um, again, we talked about this before in a previous podcast about think, write, do. So you think about it, you write it down because that helps clarify your thoughts, and then you just do it, right? All right, so that's number five. Number six is consider how you can serve other others or society in general with your purpose. So it's not just about, as, as Viktor Frankl told, told us in his awesome quote, it's not about just pursuing your own happiness. It's thinking about how you can serve others, especially others in need with your time, talent, and treasure. And then you will find your purpose and happiness and success. All right. The final one is, let's say you figured it out. Let's say you've got it all written down. You've got your purpose statement, which I recommend to my students and colleagues to try to be eight words or less. But you got to keep track of that. You got to keep, you got to figure out is that really your purpose? Because your purpose, once you figured it out, becomes an awesome time management tool, it becomes an awesome guiding North Star for you to be able to figure out should I engage in that? Should I not engage in that? Um, and it took, as I've said before in this podcast and written down several times, it took me almost two years to boil down what Vitality Explorers is all about, and that is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. I started off with a big, hairy, crazy idea of enhancing global vitality, which I still want to do, but then when I put the little comma, one person at a time, it helps me realize that if even one person listening to this podcast has benefited from it, I will have done my job. And interestingly, focusing on one single person at a time has helped me grow it much faster than I ever thought. So thank you for all, all of you who are listening. You can leave your comments and thoughts about this, the, these seven ways to pinpoint your peak purpose. You can look in the Vitality Explorer Substack site for further details. Um, but I want to move on to the next one, which is a different part of our vitality. And that's a little bit more connected to our physical vitality. And that is the low-carb versus low-fat diet battle. Now, this has been raging for decades now, right? Should you be in a low-carb low diet or a low-fat uh, diet? And this was an interesting new paper published in an excellent journal called Cell Reports Medicine. And the title of the paper was Distinct Factors Associated with Short-Term and Long-Term Weight Loss Induced by Low-Fat or Low-Carbohydrate Diet Intervention. Okay, it was a comprehensive study They looked at metabolic molecular data from 609 participants uh, before and after a one year, not one month, but one year weight loss intervention with either a healthy low carb or healthy low fat diet. Okay, so here's some some of the bottom line from the, the paper. And participants on the low carb diet lost more weight in the first six months. At 12 months, however, there were no differences between the two groups. And so they looked at weight change at six months, weight change in the second six months, and then overall weight change 
Then you can look at this interesting little graphic on the Vitality Explorer Substack site, uh, which showed that, uh, you know, um, the low carb diet was definitely better than the low fat diet in the first six months. But then if you took it out all the way to a year, there was no big difference. Um, you know, interestingly, a higher percentage of people uh, lost weight, but there were large differences in the amounts. I mean, significant differences. Some people lost up to 60 pounds while others, others lost 20 pounds or less. And the researchers had a secondary goal, and that was they were trying to figure out a biomarker for why some people lost more weight than, and, and kept it off, which is a very important question, right? So here's one of the quotes from the paper. Um, Many individuals um, struggle with elevated weight and are willing to make lifestyle changes to achieve sustained weight loss, but the success rate of their efforts is frustratingly low. That's very true, right? All right. So they found specific data in the, in the study suggesting that adherence to the assigned diet was more important than calorie restriction. That's pretty crazy, right? Pretty interesting as well. And here's, here's a few other conclusions from the paper. Quote, surprisingly, our analysis clearly shows that the reported caloric restriction achieved by individuals was not correlated with their weight loss. Instead, the degree to which they adhered to the assigned diet was directly correlated with their weight loss during the first six months. Just restricting calories without adhering to the low-carb or low-fat instructions was not enough. Wow, that's a little hard to unpack, but it's it's pretty crazy, right? Because we often thought it was just totally... You know, a calorie is a calorie and less calories would equal more weight loss. But in, according to their paper, it was not. They then went on to discuss the non-caloric reasons why someone may lose weight. And they also noted that some individuals do not see weight changes despite significant changes in their calorie intake. These factors, are, again, are quite interesting. And here's another quote from the paper. Quote, there seem to be a variety of counterbalancing physiologic processes to prevent weight loss. Some of the physiologic adaptations to maintain weight in the face of caloric deficit have been elucidated. These include perturbations in the levels of circulating appetite hormones, alterations in nutrition metabolism, effects of sleep debt, and iatrogenic effects of medications. Okay, this is a lot of medical garbly gook in here, but basically your hormones your nutrients, your sleep, and the medications you take all can affect whether or not you're going to gain or lose weight. The paper then explored a variety of other parameters associated with being able to lose and sustain weight loss over time, and those included um, specific proteins that are associated with obesity and metabolic dysfunction, and expression of these specific proteins are under genetic or epigenetic control. So these are related to how your genes work, and, and the researchers basically concluded that a lot more needs to be done to truly understand long-term weight loss success. Uh, they included things by, uh, like looking at your, your microbiome, which, is, which are the bugs that live within your gut. And they concluded with regard to the microbiome, quote, it is likely that the influence of the gut microbiota on obesity is more complex than simply an imbalance of the proportion of specific bacteria. Um, that means that we need a better understanding of the role of our gut bacteria and the ratios of different types of bacteria in order to better understand why and how it, it's related to weight loss. So the paper finished by stating that there's a potential for <clears throat> precision nutrition to augment the battle against obesity and some of the non-caloric variables associated with enhanced weight loss were identified. So I encourage, it's a very complex, very detailed um, paper. I encourage people to look at the Vitality Explorer Substack site for all the references. 
Um, I found in the analysis and recommendations associated with this paper, I think it provides supporting data with a low-carb or low-fat diet to lose weight. You'll probably lose more weight if you're on low carbs in the first six months. It also points to the value of adhering to a specific diet over a long period of time as more important than the calories. And that's a very interesting finding. And future research should explore some of the psychological reasons. This was another conclusion from the paper uh, why people were either compliant or non-compliant with either low carb or low fat. And then finally, looking at those genomic causes and microbiome, which is the bugs in your gut. Um, really, really interesting. So we, I think we're going to find out um, that that there's a lot of different ways people can lose weight. It, it's related to their diet. It's related to the adherence to their diet. And then there's this sort of black box of things that we don't really understand completely that are going to be studied more. Um, and and I, again, I encourage people to look on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. We went into some more details about something called respir respiratory quotient, um, which is basically a way of measuring how you metabolize things and whether you're metabolizing fat or carbohydrates or other molecules. Um, I'd like to finish this week um, on something that was very fascinating and uh, awesome. And that was Damar Hamlin, who was a uh, player for the Buffalo Bills, sustained a cardiac arrest uh, during a football game about two weeks ago now. Um, he was resuscitated on the field, taken to a hospital, and um, the good news is he recovered. He is in the phase of recovering, I should say. Um, but what they did to help him was really interesting. So, again, our, our thoughts, love, and prayer go out to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Um, uh, but I listened to a, a news conference from some of the doctors that were taking care of, of, of him. And they, they talked a little bit about how he collapsed, suffered the cardiac arrest. And then they talked about something called targeted temperature management. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? Targeted temperature management. I kind of had an idea, but the, the details I think are fascinating and, and physiologically fascinating in the context of somebody who has a cardiac arrest, but also has implications for the rest of us who are using cooling in some way, shape, or form to decrease inflammation in our body. So let's take a, let's take a little dive into this idea of targeted temperature management. It involves cooling a patient to prevent some of the known consequences of a sustained cardiac arrest. There's a whole bunch of ways to do it. There's a cool graphic on the Vitality Explorer Substack site that includes the specific ways of applying cold packs, infusing cold saline, inserting a catheter, or even using an intranasal cooling system. But the, the overall idea is to lower the body's core temperature. Um, they didn't, in, in the press conference, they didn't talk about any of the details of the specifics of how DeMar was cooled. Uh, they did, however, seem to believe it had some, played some role or some part in why he uh, recovered apparently so well. All right, cardiac conditions that require CPR or resuscitation outside of the hospital are associated with dismal outcomes. Many or most patients do, do not survive, and those that do survive have severe neurologic consequences. So 20 years ago, two randomized controlled trials found cooling a patient, that's also known as inducing hypothermia in medicine, provided benefit. Other trials have failed to confirm the value of cooling patients, but a recent published paper reviewed the literature on this topic, and this was <clears throat> published in the Journal of the American Heart Association, and it was entitled... Targeted Temperature Management in Post-Resuscitation Care. 
All right. So, so this was published in um, 2022, I believe. Yes. And they looked at the 2020 American Heart Association guidelines for, for resuscitation. And there was some you know, conflicting data. Again, some showed it, some didn't. But a real world example of a temperature management algorithm was embedded in the paper. And that basically suggested that, um, you know, the, here, here's what it was um, you know, suggested that cooling can or should be considered. And this is fascinating to me because the history of cooling patients is goes way, way back. And I'm just going to give you a little quote. The use of therapeutic hypothermia is not a new, new concept. Its implementation can be found in the literature dating back to ancient Egyptians. The, the idea that cooling a person can slow biologic processes and subsequent death was first described by Hippocrates uh, around 450 BC, who advised packing wounded soldiers in the snow. In the early 1800s, during the French invasion of Russia, a battlefield surgeon noticed that the wounded soldiers placed closer to campfires died sooner than those placed in colder bunks. During this period, cryoanalgesia, which is basically freezing somebody to <clears throat> decrease their pain, was also used for amputations. And surgeons noted that hypothermia not only acted as an analgesic, but sh slowed down bleeding. Clinical interest in the application of therapeutic hypothermia began in the 1930s with case, case reports of drowning victims who were resuscitated successfully despite prolonged asphyxia, asphyxia, which is like you can't breathe, obviously. So here's my analysis for this cooling idea. I think the, the cooling of a patient that has suffered a cardiac arrest is still somewhat controversial. There appears to be some evidence supporting its use in the most recent public case of Damar Hamlin, I think is going to spark more interest in this. It certainly did for me. It's clear that targeted temperature management needs more attention and more research. We can learn from the history and apply those lessons to um, um, recently published data. And I think it should lead and hopefully will lead to the, to the design and execution of meaningful clinical trials. So right now there's a lot of un, uh, unresolved questions. We need better data, but I'm hoping this case that at least for the short term, it seems to have a very, very positive outcome, will we'll spark more interest in it. Um, and this study of other serious cardiac events should be studied. Uh, and then pivoting away from the disastrous version of the cardiac arrest, how can we learn from the fact that cooling a cardiac patient may literally help them survive or decrease the risk of a neurologic injury into the context, context and uh, emerging trends of ice as cold showers um, to reduce systemic inflammation. So again, this isn't medical advice. I'm not rec recommending anybody cool themselves, especially in the context of a cardiac arrest, dial 911, get somebody to really help you. But um, for those people who are listening to this podcast who are medical researchers, um, clinicians of any sort, I encourage you to read more of the literature. I, I am really, really fascinated by how cold exposure can help reduce inflammation. We need more people working on it because I think it's a credible potential vitality enhancer. Okay, so again, just to review on this 50th episode of the Vitality Explorer News podcast, we've talked about seven steps to finding your peak purpose. We kind of took a short dive into the uh, low-carb versus low-fat diet battle, and then we finished by talking about targeted temperature man management. But I want people to continue to work on their to-do slash to-done list 
when we uh, review this in the future, we will have another episode of A Surgeon and a Seal where I will reveal the three things that I sent to my friend, Captain Tom Chaby, and I will open up his letter, which I received in the mail last week. So um, over the course of the next 20 or 30 days, put down three things that you can think about that you want to have done. That's your to-do, to-done list. And then share that with a friend, potentially even make it public, and then that will make you more accountable. So I hope you've enjoyed this week week's edition, this 50th episode of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. Please share it with your friends and family. Please leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Um, join us up at VitalityExplorers.com for the text message newsletter, or you can see the written version of this on Vitality Explorers on Substack. And remember the John F. Kennedy quote, efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. Efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. And until next time, dare to be vital.